Welcome to the Royal Seco Weekend Podcast. I'm Liz Warner. This is your chance to get to know some of the players, makers, and thinkers coming together for a spectacular weekend in beautiful Pasadena. On today's podcast, we'll talk to Ryan Merchant from the synth-pop duo Capital Cities about the title of their upcoming album, Solar Eyes. The name came from the fact that a lot of the songs had a sun theme in them, and I think that's part of living in Los Angeles. It's just beautiful weather all the time, and somehow that got infused. Then we'll talk with Christian Page, chef and owner of Castle's Hamburgers, about flipping patties at music festivals. There's a really good camaraderie amongst the chefs who are all out there doing the festivals. And we'll take a few moments to remember Tom Petty, the legendary rocker who graced the Arroyo Seco stage in 2017 before passing away in October of last year. So stick around for all that and more on this episode of the Arroyo Seco Weekend Podcast. Thanks for listening. The song you're listening to is My Name is Mars, the new single by Los Angeles synth-pop duo Capital Cities. The group had a hit record in 2012 with Safe and Sound, a song that earned them a Grammy nomination for Best Video, as well as licensing deals with Mazda, HBO, and Microsoft. But before all that success, Ryan Merchant and Cebu Simonian got their start making jingles at various commercial music houses around Los Angeles. Ryan told us about those early days making music for ads and what it taught the duo about creativity versus functionality. It was really fun, actually. It really like stretches you creatively, and I think it's good to have constraints when you're making music sometimes because it just forces you to make decisions. Otherwise, there's 20 different versions of a song you could do. You could go on forever trying to work on stuff. Making Jingles also taught the duo how to write the sort of tight pop songs that are Capital City's trademark. People think of Jingles as like a background music bed to a TV commercial, but a lot of times they actually want you to write a 30-second song that has a verse and a chorus, and they want it to sound like a particular artist. And so there's a demand for people to have songwriting experience, and that's, I think, why Sebu and I, when we got into it, they always liked the songs that we brought into them, you know, because it sounded like the songs were from a band. And for the company, it was cheaper to have a jingle writer write a song as opposed to licensing, like, whatever, an MGMT song or whatever it is. While learning to write songs was a huge benefit, Ryan and Cebu still had to develop their own sound when they made the transition from jingle writing to doing their own songs as Capital Cities. The whole thing came about very naturally. I know for a while we were trying to find our sound, and we finally did that with the song Safe and Sound, which the foundation of it is this analog synthesizer called a Juno 106. And then we also decided to add trumpet. And so the sound of that analog 1980s synthesizer plus the trumpet 
became a signature that we then subsequently used on all the songs for the album. That album, in a tidal wave of mystery, contained Capital City's second single, Kangaroo Court, and also featured Andre 3000 from Outkast on the song Farrah Fawcett Hair. The band continued to make new fans, including Katy Perry, who invited them to open for her on tour. It's been over five years since Capital Cities released their debut album. Their second album is coming soon, but one has to wonder, why the long wait? When they talk about album number two being more difficult, there's certainly a truth to it because once you have a massive amount of success and you've been touring and then you go back, I personally, I started to second-guess myself a little bit. I started to get way too many opinions on music and not trusting my gut so much. There was a lot of... Yeah, with this new album, like a lot of trying out new things and thinking that we needed to kind of work with a bunch of outside people and push this out and doing all that only to come back to the original setup, which is just the two of us working in a studio, producing everything, recording everything, mixing it. I, I feel like I've really honed in on how things should be done. I've learned a lot through this process. It's really just about capturing inspiration and something that feels good and has soul to it. With a new album comes new songs, many of which will be heard for the first time at Arroyo Seco. Ryan and the live band, which includes Cebu on keyboards, plus guitar, bass, and drums, plus a trumpet player and vibraphonist, are busy rehearsing all that new music. One thing Ryan won't have to worry about this time is playing guitar something he's usually done on stage in the past. I've just been singing, actually. I used to play guitar and play more keys, but as of late, I've been just dancing and singing and being awkward occasionally on stage. It's also great just to, like, focus on your voice. I always want to make sure that the voice is in tune and coming across well. sometimes and I don't get cheese other times it just depends. That's chef Christian Page talking about the best way to order the burgers he serves at Castle's Hamburgers in Koreatown. The diner style spot located inside the Hotel Normandy has become a destination for beef patty lovers across LA. The reason why we love our burger is that we're taking no antibiotic, no added hormone chucks and brisket, and we seam butcher them and grind them every day in-house. And so you have a totally different grind than you're going to get pretty much anywhere else. And then you have a big 7-ounce patty with this steaky grind to it, and then we sear it on a 450-degree plancha. And so you get that crisp crust like a good steakhouse broiled steak would have, and we season it just simply with salt and pepper. And so you get like a crispy crust, juicy burger with a nice steaky bite to it, and then, you know, a really simple, clean bun, nice piece of cheddar. And then you have your whole lettuce, onion, tomato, and pickle on the side. But for us, it's just about the simplicity of the beef and the bun and the cheese. 
Chef Christian is part of a major trend in dining, with talented chefs applying their fine dining skills to foods that everyone can enjoy. The result is the sort of burger that traditional fast food joints simply can't match. You have all these smaller players coming into the market with a more thoughtful product, um, with better ingredients, and with more technique put into how they're making it. And, and I think you see the same thing in, in, the, in the food world in general. So, you know, I always had the passion for real, really for comfort food. That was always what I loved. And so when I moved out to L.A., it sort of coincided with the trend of people who were taking that comfort food and applying fine dining techniques to it. So out here, you know, I got into the short order game with Nancy Silverton and Bill Chait. We opened that restaurant. Then from short order, um, I moved over and reinvented Cassell's with my partner here, Jingbo Lu. And, um, you know, it just really was aligned both of my passions, which was taking like great ingredients, you know, and using the techniques that I'd learned in fine dining and just recreating something that's really classic, really simple, you could eat every day, but doing it on a higher level. It's not just the food that's classic at Castles. The name itself is an LA institution, dating back to the late 1940s, when Al Castle opened his lunch stand serving hand-ground burgers at 6th Street and Burendo in what was then called the Ambassador District, now Koreatown. Those burgers were declared best in the city in a 1969 issue of the Times Sunday Magazine beating out Apple Pan on the west side and Bob's Big Boy in the valley. Cassell's as a brand has been around since 1948 and it was started by Al Cassell and he got really famous and probably even you know before the time that there was so much prolific food press um, he was out there in all kinds of magazines and newspapers and really like getting a lot of press for his burger stand and he would just every morning he would be there in the window and he'd be grinding chucks to make the burgers for the day and then you know he'd be there talking to everyone in the restaurant he had created just a real vibe and a really great product that everyone came to love um, after his family passed on the brand we bought it to put into the hotel normandy which is about two blocks down the street from its original location and just reimagined it to be sort of more of a full-service diner than just a hamburger stand, but putting that same care into all of the other products um, that he put into the original hamburger. If you can't make it to Koreatown, you can look forward to tasting a Castle's Burger or Patty Melt at two new locations opening this summer in downtown L.A. and in Terminal 1 at LAX. You can also get a burger, with or without cheese, at a Royal Seco weekend. You'll find Chef Christian there pretty much all day, just not on Saturday night when a certain headliner takes the stage. For a Royal Seco this year, I'm bringing my mom with me. and We're going to make sure we hit Neil Young together and uh, the other boys can be flipping the burgers during that. It's going to be pretty awesome to have my mom there too. We listened to a lot of Neil Young together when I was growing up. And so she's super excited to come out from Connecticut and uh, hang out and see what I'm doing out here. When Tom Petty took the Arroyo Seco stage last June, no one imagined that it would be one of the final shows by the legendary rocker who passed away in October. Petty seemed to be in great health and high spirits when he giggled between songs and wowed the Pasadena crowd with classic hits like Mary Jane's Last Dance, American Girl, Don't Come Around Here No More, and Learning to Fly. 
Steve Bolton writes about music for Rolling Stone, Forbes, Variety, and more. He was there to witness Petty's gig at Royal Seco, as well as his very last show at the Hollywood Bowl that took place just days before he died. We asked Steve to share his Tom Petty memories with us. I have been very fortunate to see Tom Petty in concert countless times since the 80s, but last year, on what turned out to be his final tour, it was a little different. I saw Petty in the Heartbreakers four times in 2017. In February, when he was honored as Music Cares Person of the Year, at Bottle Rock Festival in Napa Memorial Day weekend, a month later at the first Arroyo Seco in Pasadena, and during his final show at the Hollywood Bowl a mere week before his death on October 2nd. As I wrote in Forbes after the Bowl show, the greatest gift for any Petty fan has been watching he and the band have so much fun on stage, dancing frequently with his arms waving, joking, leading the crowd in sing-along versions of songs like Free Falling and the nearly flawless anthem Learning to Fly. Petty seemed to be enjoying himself just as much as the 18,000 fans were. Last year's run celebrating the 40th anniversary of the Heartbreakers was a victory lap for one of Rock's greatest storytellers and showmen, and Petty reveled in every second of it, grinning ear to ear every show I saw. Anyone who saw him at Arroyo Seco will never forget Petty and guitarist Mike Campbell expertly dueling on the rock as It's Good to Be King, or the gorgeous and underrated Crawling Back to You, which has my vote for the greatest Petty song. Though picking a favorite Petty track is about as easy as picking the best of Dylan or Springsteen or Neil Young. Like those other master lyricists, Petty offers such an extensive catalog that you can divide it into subcategories. Maybe there is a favorite Petty love song, like Angel Dream Number 2, a tune so sublimely perfect that the fact it hasn't become an official wedding song is criminal. Maybe you prefer Rocker Petty on The Punkish I Need to Know or The Timeless American Girl. Perhaps you like the angry young man Petty declaring, You got lucky when I found you. Maybe it's the thoughtful balladeer of Southern Accents and Wildflower or the mature Petty of The Best of Everything. Because of the frivolity and joyous nature of some of his videos, like the Alice in Wonderland theme Don't Come Around Here No More, the animated Running Down a Dream, or the rock and roll cautionary tale Into the Great White Open starring Johnny Depp, Petty's brilliance as a lyricist is sometimes overlooked. As much as Petty was a storyteller, though, he was also a philosopher of the highest order. In the brilliant Dylan-esque Crawling Back to You, Petty in a weary voice sings, I'm so tired of being tired. Sure as night will follow day. Most things I worry about never happen anyway. Petty's a great pride in his songwriting. As he told me when we spoke in 2014 upon his receiving the ASCAP Founders Award, that's what I do the most. That's the hardest job I do. And that's my assigned gig in the band, to write the songs or they'll kick me out. He then jokes, so I have to keep coming up with them if I want to play with those guys. When I responded, otherwise they'll find a new singer, he laughed and quipped, yeah, Bruce Springsteen will take them. I asked if he'd ever consider switching the Springsteen for a night. Bruce could lead the Heartbreakers and Petty would front E Street Band. His deadpan response, we couldn't afford each other's bands. Petty was very loyal to the Heartbreakers. When he received his Music Cares Person of the Year honor last year, he called his longtime collaborators one of the two or three best bands in rock and roll. That sort of generous praise was a hallmark of Petty's when talking about his musical peers, and that love came back tenfold when news of his tragic passing was announced. Musicians as esteemed as Bob Dylan, Sheryl Crow, Bruce Springsteen, Paul McCartney, John Mayer, Chuck D., Def Leppard, and Jack Antonoff came pouring in with tributes. Coldplay, Father John Misty, The National, and even Miley Cyrus all covered Petty's songs in concert the week after his death. There were two tributes that summed it up best, though, both from longtime Petty disciples. 
Ryan Adams said beautifully, thank you for giving so much, a lifetime of inspiration and love. Your music has changed this world for the better. And as Jason Isabel summed it up, I can't think of an important moment in my life without an accompanying Tom Petty song. That is the legacy Tom Petty leaves. When I reviewed his performance at Arroyo Seco last year, I wrote, Petty has entered into that hollow terrain of artists whose music is the soundtrack of your life and whose two-hour sets are filled with hit songs that take you back to a place and time, capturing a moment and making you smile or wistful depending on the tune and the memory. For me, the first time I really fell in love was at a Tom Petty concert. For others, Petty might mark the first song they learned on guitar, the day they graduated high school, or the moment their first child was born. Or maybe they just remember the first time they heard Tom Petty on the radio or MTV. That, in and of itself, was a damn great day. That's it for this episode of the Arroyo Seco Weekend Podcasts. Tune in to other episodes of the podcast to hear more stories about the talented people who help make Arroyo Seco a weekend you won't want to miss. Go to ArroyoSecoWeekend.com for tickets and information, and we hope to see you in Pasadena. This podcast was produced for Golden Voice by Content Curious. <laughs>